Welcome to Multiple Offers, a real estate show with competing perspectives. Today, we are asking, can I speak to your manager? Put that coffee down. If you're good at something, never do it for free. How'd you get the gig? Oh, you know, they were hiring. It was only a two-week course. I will sell this house today. What are you, some kind of real estate agent? Oh, he's a realtor. There is a difference somehow. This is Multiple Offers, a real estate show. Well, that's me, Matt. Jeff didn't do the intro again this time. No, Jeff. <laughs> uh, Jeff is on holiday today, and we are welcomed by a very special guest, our managing broker here at Remax All Points, Gail. Yeah. Hi, everyone. This is exciting. It's nice to have Gail here. Gail's, on, Gail's office is mere feet away from the recording studio. Yeah, you get, you get to hear all the fun that we're having in here. I now. listen to this every Wednesday morning. <laughs> and Matt asked, did, did you, do you listen to the podcast? Like, yeah, well, I don't really have a choice. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So that's um, kind of a fun show to get the perspective of a manager that I think a lot of our listeners really don't understand. We use the word manager, which is even false in that sense. It's, it's managing broker. Yeah. We're going to kind a of lot get, of realtors don't understand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, and we have lots of listeners who are realtors. There you go. Perfect. So this will be fun. So we're going to kind of get all through that, but we'll we'll warm up a little bit and just kind of get started with a little like, hey, Jer, how's it going? What you've been doing? Yeah. What have I been doing? I took the Q to Q ferry yesterday, and that yeah. was exciting. I've never done that. Um, it's good. Have you, you tried it? I've heard of it. You've heard of it, but I no. little little yellow boat down at the quay in New Westminster. Uh, it was $2, $2 for, for one way. It runs super frequently and it was enjoyable. It was a quick little jaunt, but, uh, it saved me from, you know, driving in traffic. So it takes you over to Queensboro. Queensboro. Yeah. Right into the sort of the little port, port Royal development. So I was showing some clients the property in, uh, the, one of the high rises there, peninsula and literally like a 30 second sort of walk. We kind of walked around because there wasn't an easy access right to that building. But anyways, it was uh, it was nice and enjoyable and close. Nice day. And it's, you know, if you can't have a bridge, yeah. you may as well have a ferry. Were you inside the boat or is there an option to seat, sit open air? Oh, some, there's not as much room on the, uh, the back area, stern, stern if you will. <laughs> anyways, the back spot, there's maybe one or two chairs and there was, there was a lady. Both times there was someone kind of chilling out there, yeah. um, but uh, but otherwise there's full covered areas and the docks fairly low and flush with the boat, so I think it is kind of accessible. And they print the tide charts and they let you know you know the ramp's going to be because the, the Fraser's tidal, um, the ramp's going to be kind of at this degree. It's going to be more challenging. Steep if you slope, have mobility or, issues. Yeah. So yeah, it was good. Nice people. It's it was kind of interesting too because you've got I I mean there's a fair amount of people. We missed the first sailing because there was a limit of ten people. And oh, you got bumped. We were, yeah, so you kind of have to get in your gear queue. That was the people coming home from work, I guess. So it was probably mm. the busy, the busier one. But um, right. But yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of interesting because there's people. Obviously, clearly, they're like, "Hey, Jim, hey, Bob," like <laughs> regular people that kind of start to you know establish a bit of a relationship with the, the oh, captain and the, and the deckhand. And yeah, are there cool. hiking trails and restaurants over there? They have a few. There's a few restaurants. It's not Frankie it G's gets all the love over there. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. They're they're. It's been a little bit slow. I mean, other than like the the I want to say strip mall, the big box sort of stores they have closer to the casino. You've got right. you've That's got shopping and things like that. But I wouldn't say for the people living in Port Royal, it's really walkable mm. for, for them. Okay. Um, but Frankie G's is well liked in Queensboro and and even New West residents. They have a shuttle that they actually 
bring over the bridge yeah, to bring people back and forth. Cool. A van, but as far as hiking trails, though, I mean the whole uh, perimeter got the, of, got of the Port trail Royal, like network. everything, and yeah. then it connects with River Road. It'll take you all the way through into Richmond and everything. So people who like to bike, they'll, we'll they'll use do that, that a lot. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So oh, fun, but pretty cool, cool service to have. Yeah, yeah fun. Yeah, absolutely. Um, What's going with you, Matt? Well, we've kind of had a bit of a surge in inquiries from clients buying and selling. It's unusual for the middle of August. Yeah. Uh, it seems to be related to some people really making a purchase decision, something about it. They're like, I'm in. Like, And then, you know. And people that have found something. Dominoes and, fall. And, and giving you a call. I'm like, I yeah. kind of, we, found, we just ran into an open house the other day, went into an open house. And I think it's a combination like of price reductions have come through for this time of year and then it feels like maybe people believe it's the bottom and, and I don't know. What, do you, what are you seeing, Gail? The, the buyers are, I think, falling off the fence finally because they're getting tired of hanging on up there. <laughs> they're like, yeah, there hasn't been as severe a correction as maybe we had hoped or thought and, now and we're it doesn't to look see, like it's going to happen. No, it doesn't. It doesn't appear that way. Right. So for people who don't know, like as a managing broker, Gail sees essentially every contract that comes through from every agent under the all points banner. Yes. I so do. you get a really broad look at everything for the listeners who are, are then listening. What would you say? Are you noticing a trend of anything that? Condos definitely are still the most popular product out there. Yeah. The odd detached, but um, definitely the, uh, the condos are still selling. Do you see very, very many contracts where you look at that and go like, whoa, somebody really got beat up there? Or no. I guess you don't really know no. the asking price a lot of the time anyway, right? You're but just no. Still kind of a few percentage points off list price. Yeah. Kind of and they're still pretty high. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. From someone who's been in the business for more than a couple of minutes. Well, that's a good, the prices yeah. are still very high. That's, that's, yeah, that's interesting. And that's kind of a good point. So, I mean, we should kind of explain... Well, Matt, let's like, let's um, let's play the intro. Let's get into our main segment. Get into finding we'll out what what it is. Introduce our special guest. Who is this person? <laughs> now you want to get nuts? Come on, let's get nuts. You decide your own level of involvement. Well, I guess this is a case where we'll have to agree to disagree. I don't agree to that. Neither do I. Wrong. National debt. Wrong. 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 Advocate. Wrong. Without money, Wrong. 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 Very nice words, but happens to be wrong you're listening to multiple offers a real estate show all right so we do want to introduce our guest and then we will introduce the whole concept of what a managing broker is this umbrella and all of this kind of stuff lots of interesting things yeah. yeah i mean gail we've known for a long time now gail we kind of joke and sometimes call her mom (laughs) <laughs> yes, you do. Because <laughs> mom's looking out for us, and sometimes she wants us to do things we don't want to do, but it's in our own best interest. That's true. <laughs> As all good moms do. <laughs> yeah, and, and mom's got her step-siblings over there at all points in uh, Coquitlam. That's true. <laughs> Where are we the step? I wonder... We could be You're stuck. all my children. All. You <laughs> love us. You, creepy, doesn't you it? love us all equally. <laughs> no favorites. No, no not favorites. at all. No, no. Um, so, I mean, Gail, you've been in the business for a long time. Started mm-hmm. out as a real estate agent, but you've been a managing broker for twelve years. You said twelve years. Wow. Twelve years. Twelve glorious years. <laughs> Awarded Manager of the Year in 2011. Mm. Correct. Through Remax for Remax. Yes. For Remax. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So yeah. So Remax has its own little internal, which is. A great accolade because there are many Remax brokerages and they are, you know, and it was living North up to America. a high standard. Yeah, it was North America. Wow. Congratulations. That's pretty good. 
It was Absolutely. exciting. <laughs> Your trophy plaque? I did. Yeah, nice. I do. Nice, nice, nice. <laughs> and you've been sitting on the professional conduct committee for nine years. Yes, I have. Yeah, so Gail's got all sorts of war stories, and we're not sure exactly which ones we'll be able to squeeze we'll out try of and get today. It. We'll try and get a few out. You know, we understand always on the show the importance of confidentiality and all the rules, but, you know paraphrasing things to to help illustrate the point is helpful if we can find a way to sneak that out mm-hmm. um but let's start with this confusing question of we 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 called the episode can i speak to your manager because you know <laughs> if you're upset with your agent you think well maybe i can go speak to their manager but we don't necessarily have a manager we have a managing broker um so i'll clarify for the listeners uh realtors real estate agents we're independent contractors correct so we can we don't necessarily have a boss but we do have to have a real estate license operate within a brokerage and we have the choice as far as which brokerage we join and you want to align with a brokerage whose philosophy somewhat aligns with your business and with the authority one thing the biggest authority the brokerage has as a boss over the agent is if the agent's behavior does not align with the philosophy of the brokerage they may be asked to leave and go find another home mm-hmm. correct um so Beyond that, there's this question of what is the level of authority that the managing broker, the brokerage has over an agent, if we're giving the context of, oh, can I speak to your manager? And, you know, how they, I mean, you you look at our contracts, you need to make sure that we write a contracts that fit the desires of the brokerage, you know, your philosophy, because essentially what you're doing, I guess, at the highest level, correct me if I'm wrong, is trying to protect everybody's liability. The The main role of a managing broker is to protect the brokerage and then the the realtors that are within the brokerage. So their mandate is to ensure that all of our regulatory bodies are, uh, that we're compliant, that the brokerage is compliant and the realtors are compliant with all of our bodies that are telling us how to do this wonderful business. So you've got a lot of a lot of little children, stepchildren, realtors working under you. And it's it's no joke. There's some some big some big fines too and and some big repercussions if people aren't are falling out of line or, Absolutely. or doing things that are, are not, not and they're good. increasing every day. So it's become even more important to make sure that everyone in the brokerage um, is following the rules. So how problematic is that? Because you can have our office meetings where you tell us what the rules are and explain to people how they should be behaving, but you can't actually look over any agent's shoulder and tell them specifically how to conduct their business. Sometimes you find out after the fact. Generally, most of what we do is finding things out after the fact, and that's when we have to determine whether or not it's egregious enough that we have to take steps to fix the problem, so to speak, as in (laughs) let the realtor go. But generally, with our brokerages, um, we've got seasoned realtors, typically, and they're all doing business the way it should be done. So it makes my life easier. <laughs> how different is that then for one managing broker to another? There, how many? Do you have any idea how many brokerages there would be in the Lower Mainland, like including Fraser Valley? No. 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 Do you, it's okay. Hundreds. Yes. One would say hundreds, it. and there's more every day. Hundreds. Because I mean, we're sitting, and we are we're sitting like was it around fifteen thousand agents? Just for, under, for, just for over estate? fourteen thousand right now for in the, the real estate board of Greater Vancouver. That's the Greater Vancouver, Greater Vancouver board, Vancouver. not yeah. including Fraser Valley. Fraser Valley's three thousand, over just over three thousand. Is it only three thousand? Yeah, that's it's, a much, it's much smaller. That's a much smaller number than I expected. For sure, yeah, yeah. Don't know what the exact numbers, but it's okay. it's over three thousand. Okay, so there's a lot of us. There's, there's a lot of you. Oh. Well, there's twenty one thousand or something in the province. Yeah. 21, 22,000 in the province. 
And is it, it I guess you, you have to be a licensed realtor before you can become a managing broker. Yes, you do. That's a requirement. What is, what is the, is there, there's, is there, it's a few years, isn't it? It used to be five years, but I believe that requirement has changed. Has changed. Because there's not enough managing brokers out there and we're all getting older. Yeah, so with all of these, so we talk on the show about all the new rule changes, right? Everything keeps getting more and more complicated, more things to comply with. And the same thing goes with managing brokers. Correct. Right? So they've changed the threshold as far as the number of agents that a managing broker can... Not yet. Not yet. Okay. It's coming though, or still just in talks? They're still talking about that one because there'd be a lot of brokerages that would be uh, adversely affected if they had to hire a lot of managing brokers. Right. And they're not out they, there. They could not exist and, even. And they're not, they're not out there, quite yeah. frankly. Yeah. Right. Huh. So let's play this out, this idea of a consumer who's listening and they've had a negative experience with their agent and they want to speak to their manager. What does that look like? What is the managing broker actually going to do? What, what, what does that look like in your world? Do you get those calls? Oh, absolutely. I um, mean, the manager's, managing broker's job really is to problem solve. Um, if something has happened that, um, we're just talking about a little bit of push and pull, it's the, you know, the managing broker can jump in and calm everybody down. Mm-hmm. And that's basically what I do. I, I am the, I talk everyone down off that cliff, um, just to keep everyone on the same page. But really, what can you do? You can advise, you can advise both parties. Right. And having sat on the professional conduct committee, you know mm-hmm. what constitutes going too far and what's going to create the bigger problems. You've seen them. Well, generally, if it's a pub member of the public, that yeah. would be a council issue. Okay. Not a board issue. Right. Because the, the public will go to the council. The board no longer takes complaints from the public. Right. So if it's a member of the public that's unhappy with the realtor, you probably need to step up to the plate and fix whatever problem that's happened so that that complaint doesn't go to the to the to the council because even if it's unfounded the complaint mm-hmm. you're still going to have to spend time responding yeah to the council and that does take time so depending on like the severity of it or, or what's mm-hmm. happened um it it ideally for us it's resolved somebody if it's a member of the public consumers calling they might call the office and say mm-hmm. right it never happened to the new west guys um but but they would essentially that person could if it's like it's not that bad but I need to talk to somebody because yeah. it wasn't uh, quite often. What I right. do is I just listen, yeah, so that yeah. they feel like they've been heard. Yeah, yeah exactly. Okay. Do they come to you because they're not happy with the performance of their agent and they're hoping there's something you can do to improve that? Um, sometimes they're looking for money. Yeah. Sometimes they're looking for a result, a change in the result. Okay. Um, and, and sometimes they're just mad. Yeah, and, and, and like you said, we have a lot of seasoned agents within our, our brokers here, right? All points representing Coquitlam and New West. What about other brokerages that you're familiar with who maybe don't have as many seasoned agents and have newer agents? Do they do they have a bit of a different complaint department they have to deal with? Is it Does it come through in a different capacity? No, the managing brokers are probably just a lot busier. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then you have the pleasure of being named in any lawsuit that r- includes a realtor because any lawyer who names a realtor is also going to... For any listener who doesn't know, if a legal claim is made against one realtor, the lawyer will always name that agent's brokerage and the agent representing the other party and the other brokerage. They will Correct. always name all four parties. Yes, so I, <laughs> I go to court once in a while with my realtors. <laughs> 
<laughs> so what does that look like? Is there anything you would share about that process or what that looks like? Well, for me, it's, it's becoming easy. Um, <laughs> That's not but good. for the realtors, it's still very stressful. So you don't want to be there. Mm. You really don't want to be there because it is a stressful process. Right. Sitting in front of a, ja- a judge or a magistrate, um, even a mediator, can be very stressful. And it takes time away from your business. So if something's happening in your business that you can do anything about, you really need to leave your ego at the door and try and get it fixed so that you're not being sued. Yeah. I think most people realize that, yeah, once you're, you're getting a lawyer involved and potentially courts, it's not a fun No, fun it's, not, it's not a fun. And it's an expensive situation. And pretty much everyone loses. Everybody loses. Gail and I ended up there once. It wasn't fun. Nobody did anything wrong, but it turned into a big old mess. And, yeah. it, and it included another agent from our brokerage. It did. It <laughs> well, was a fun, t- fun times with, for Gail. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty rough. Um, but uh, you have to go through the, the, the process, right? So um, what, what about with the managing broker? Like we know, essentially, we report to you and you have to, you're trying to protect your liability by looking out for our, our liability. Absolutely. Writing enforceable contracts. Absolutely. Who else does a managing broker report to? You report to the owner of the brokerage? Well, that would be me. Yes. So I report to myself. But not just, but outside of of our brokerage world, like across the lower mainland, right? No. They don't, like, they just kind of do their thing? Yes. And then the bodies that they they are trying to be in compliance with, there's a number of them. Oh, yes. Yeah. It's endless. (laughs) I was going, it was going, going through the list this morning on my way here thinking okay who do we actually report to and there's there's it's it's a lot so i mean we have the board level for the rules of cooperation we have bcra and CREA for the rules of ethic the code of conduct um and then we have our um um real estate council mm-hmm. so the real estate services act and redma and then we have all the legislation that's been put in place that we have to yeah. be aware of and comply with. So the do not call list and the oh. Privacy Protection Act. And um, let's not forget FinTrack, our mm. favorite one. Yeah. Um, and love, then, love those guys. And then there's the taxation, <laughs> you know, the Income Tax Act that we have to be aware of. So there's a lot of things that, there's a lot of moving parts to real estate. And, yeah. and the public... Um, there's a misconception out there that real estate is easy, that realtors make too much money and it's too easy, that you slap up a sign and you're done. Then you get a big, huge paycheck. But they don't realize what happens in the background and everything yeah. that you guys need to know on a daily basis and be watching out for. Absolutely. Well, and I think even a lot of agents don't have a full appreciation for the administrative tasks going on behind the scenes within the brokerage. True. Right. We talk about being rules compliant, but, you know, tax compliant and reporting. And, you know, we run these little small businesses that in a way are pretty business within a business. We're, but we're kind of easy to manage. Like we know what our specific individual expenses are. We can expense that stuff. It goes against our revenue. And that's pretty straightforward. But as a brokerage, I mean, you've got a number of different employees. You've got payroll. You're doing conveyance on the transactions. Like there's a there's a lot going on administratively that, frankly, I'm quite happy. I, I know very little about <laughs> There's a lot. There's a a lot. lot. It's true. Um, Running the brokerage, and that's another part. Generally, well, we're a small brokerage, so the managing broker's duties involve managing the staff and um, 
the accounts, whereas in some of the bigger brokerages, they probably have departments for that. But when you're in a small brokerage, right. as a managing broker, that is my job yeah. to oversee that as well. And I'd say the last thing I didn't really include in that list that I think the consumer probably cares about most is administering the trust account. Mm-hmm. Right? Millions and millions of dollars. <laughs> Right. Going, can be. going, coming and going, and can be, can be, yeah. yeah, yeah. So when a deposit is submitted on an on an offer, when you have your contract and you give your deposit, it's written to the brokerage representing the buyer. Typically, it doesn't have to be, but that's typically how it is. And then it's held in the trust account for the brokerage. Mm-hmm. And I think that's important for people to know. The agent themselves has no authority over that deposit. They submit it immediately to the brokerage, and it goes into that account. We're we're known as stakeholders, so we cannot do anything with that deposit without authority from both parties to the contract. So if a deal falls apart and the buyer says, I want my deposit back, well, that's nice, thank you. (laughs) But we need to have the seller sign off on it before we can release it. And there's a lot of people that do not understand that aspect of it, that we need both parties' consent to release that those funds, or they just sit in our trust account until they actually agree. I think that's probably the most common misconception. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just get that now. Yeah, like, yeah. Which and I always and I always remind people, I'm like, okay, well, just you think of that as the buyer. If you don't complete, then by default, the seller just gets the deposit. They think that that's how it will go. Like as a buyer, they go, I just forfeit my deposit, and I say to them, well, imagine that in the reverse order. If by default it just goes back to the seller, what's the seller's obligation? to follow through with the, with the transaction. And they realize they go, Oh yeah, the seller just walks away and they get the deposit. Mm -hmm. That wouldn't work out very well either. No. And so, (laughs) I mean, I've had lawyers call me and tell me to release a deposit on their word. And there's been some interesting conversations around that because they know better. They're just trying to pull one over. They're just trying to bully me. Yeah. It was was interesting conversations. It's like we get that with other realtors. Like, so what was that? What was the other, uh, the offer accepted at? Like no, sorry, nice, nice try, but uh, not not telling you that. Just casually throw it in there, mm-hmm. just hoping somebody's gonna gonna slip off. I'm sure sometimes it may work. Oh, it does. I, I've heard it does work. <laughs> okay, so um, my last question uh, from a consumer's perspective, because I want to talk a little bit about agent to agent as well. But on the consumer side, you know, you try to diffuse things if they have a complaint. So mm-hmm. if if calling the managing broker isn't the right course of action if a consumer is is unhappy with their agent or whatever has transpired, what is the right course of action from your perspective? Depending on what the offense is. Okay. If it's a um if something has happened within the transaction that is let's say um they moved, they went to move in the buy your this consumer went to move into the property and all the junk is still there. Like yeah. the people haven't moved out properly. They haven't done a good job of cleaning up and moving out. Um, that would not be a council issue. But if the costs are enough, if there's damages, there might be enough, um, enough reason to file a small claims Sure, but as, as far as getting counsel involved, I don't feel like a realtor has done something egregiously wrong if a home is left in no, poor condition. No, that's what I mean. That, that's, yeah. not a, that's not a counsel not, issue. Not counsel. Yeah. You're not, you don't have to report. No, there's nothing to report there. But if there's something that's happened, um, I just had something a couple of weeks ago where there was actual fraud involved. That would be a counsel issue. Yeah, so if you feel that your agent has re- misrepresented you in some way... Then that would be a counsel yeah, issue. Yeah, if, if you've been deceived mm-hmm. or they have not looked out for your interests, Yeah. right? But if the other party to the contract hasn't fulfilled their end, 
trying to punish your agent who represented you probably isn't the most effective pursuit. No, No, because generally the realtor that's representing you will do everything they can to make that better. Um, Yeah, I learned the hard way that if you try too hard and then it doesn't work out, you get sued. (laughs) And it's true. Well, it it can, but... It's always a good idea to every for everyone to jump in and try and fix the situation to to so mediate so, it. So so careful trying to do what what for you would be the right thing. Yeah, you're just because, trying to like, fix it, but like it's not my fault the other party. But now it's admission of contract. guilt. Yeah, they're like, oh, it sounds like I'm you didn't write fix. your contract correctly, and that's why it didn't work out. And you're like, let's just try to help. The unfortunate <laughs> thing about contracts is they're only as good as the people who have signed them. So if someone is of the mindset that eh, I've got my money now, I'm out. There's really not much any of the realtors can do. So we talked about this on the show before. What's your, what are your thoughts on, on something that's a little more like an American system of escrow? Again, not diving into the entire system, but saying, you know, some funds are withheld after completion t- until we confirm that the home is in the condition it's been c- agreed upon. The appliances are there. You know, do you think that's somewhere where we should be going as an industry? Well, back before the market started going crazy a couple of years ago, we were starting to see holdbacks. So if a pro, you know, if a realtor was showing a property that the, it just looked like, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Hoarder lived there, mm. they would put a holdback in the contract of a couple thousand dollars just to ensure that it was in a clean and tidy condition when they left. Um, but then once the market started going crazy again, you, yeah, you those, those offers you, aren't competitive anymore. Yeah, you can't. You, yeah. You're not going to get anything. So um, it depends on the market. Okay. It depends it's on good. the market. I mean, yeah, it's good incentive for somebody if, if you are that hoarder person that's like, eh, I'm sure I can just leave this. They'll yeah. It, these boxes of things will be useful for them. That somebody will like these. <laughs> someone, will, someone will need these. Now all of a sudden there's like, well, you know, it's only like Gail mentioned, it's only as good as the people signing it. Um, that might keep them a little bit more motivated. Knowing yeah. That there's a couple of grants. If they know that there's a couple of grants sitting yeah. out there waiting for them to uh, do what they're supposed to, to be do doing. The right what they thing, agreed right? to do. Yeah, exactly. In writing. Right. You know, I find the holdback is not very well received by the notary or lawyer. They go like to, as far as administering Yeah, because they don't want to do it. Yeah, they go, oh, why am I administering this for the purpose of two weeks? Like, I feel like we're, we're missing maybe a mechanism within our conveyance system that's something in between a holdback and something else, right? You know, And that's the system. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so that's, that's sort of uh, from the consumer side. If you're looking, if you've got problems, you know, you've got the managing broker can explain to you sort of what the rules are and maybe how to find a resolution. If you think your realtor really has not represented you well, you can submit a complaint to counsel. Um, but then we have the issues where an agent is really frustrated with the performance of the agent on the other side of the transaction and maybe they we feel that the other agent is not playing by the rules or they're being deceitful whatever it may be and there is is there opportunity for manager to manager to try to fix that or is that just muddying the waters and it's really no, no that's better? what it's, that's what's supposed to happen <laughs> and if you are an agent then listening you aren't you shouldn't be calling Gail. no you should be calling your own manager you talk to your and, own and manager the managers speak to each other and try and hammer out a solution I'm sure you get calls from agents, other offices. Oh, I do. And I explain to them the process. Yeah. <laughs> you need to hang up and you need to call your manager. Cool. So it's funny talking about this because I don't feel like we get into this very much. Like Jeremy and I, we don't end up in a lot of conflict. So so no. wh- when does this happen? What is what is the most common situation? Um, when you have two realtors that neither of them, one of them want to back down. 
and they just it just ramps up from the beginning. Is it something like silly, like during negotiations, or? Um, I would say that generally it's about something that's happened during the transaction, maybe or during the subject end. period or something. Yeah, and and quite often it's about the dishwasher's broken or some of the personal effects have been left behind and no one's doing anything about it. I get the, the majority of what we deal with is like that. Interesting. The furnace isn't working or, you know, there's a car out in the driveway. <laughs> and Had one of those. The, the, the funny thing to me is how, is how carried away we get going realtor to realtor on that. Yeah. The, because because the realtors weren't party to the contract. Like we, we wrote the contract. You know, but it, it was the seller who left the car in the front yard or in the driveway. It wasn't the realtor representing the seller. No, but you do and have a buyer that's... the realtor doesn't have the keys. <laughs> but you do have a buyer that's very upset. Sure. And so everyone's trying to scramble and make that better. Because, I mean, it really should be a win-win situation um, for all parties. And we've... <laughs> the, the industry has taken that away. And it's become very combative. Which is unfortunate because the realtors don't even know each other. They never meet anymore. You know, back in the day, <laughs> you would actually have to sit across the table and talk to the seller as a representing a buyer with the listing realtor there to present your offer. That's what happened. And you actually formed a community yeah. with of realtors that you knew and you trusted. It's possible to purchase a place and, and not, they, they weren't anybody. there from a showing. They weren't, yeah. uh, never they see emailed them. emailed the offer. You negotiated via text and mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Interesting times. Yeah. Okay. So that's where the managers come in to help out with that one. Um, I wanted to ask as well, Jerry, did you have any more on agent to agent, those kind of conflicts? Um, not really. I mean, we, we're not, we're not, we, we don't really deal again. We're not dealing with this so much. We just usually put the agent on our, our personal blacklist uh, <laughs> and just remember that, okay, dealing with this person, this is how they operate. This is good to know yeah. in the future. Yeah. Um, Buying a lot of dishwashers, and and that's the, and that's the problem. A lot of realtors, when they're misbehaving in that manner, they don't realize the impact that they're having on their fellow realtors. Yeah, and the next time that realtor comes back to have to do business with them, it's going to be difficult, and it really doesn't need to be. It really doesn't need to be if everyone cooperated. Yeah, I think that's pretty good for me. We're talking about realtor to realtor stuff and manager to manager. And the thing that it reminded me of is this evolution now of some agents are being deceitful about are there multiple offers mm -hmm. or some of these other things. And we're, we're counting on, sometimes I say, oh, if I really don't believe this agent, I'm going to ask my manager to call the other manager and get proof that there is another offer. What does that look like right now? What a great question, Matt. <laughs> my, is my, it happening? Well, is it, yeah, are people calling the bluff? And my biggest concern is when you call the other manager who represents the other agent, you might get a manager who's quite willing to lie to you on behalf of their agent. But am I just being a total like conspiracy theorist on this? Well, I've never had one of those calls, but we're ready for them because we actually in this our brokerages have a multiple offer record sheet. So when we are receiving multiple offers, it's up to the realtors in our brokerage to write down and record all the uh, offers and have the seller sign off that they've received those offers. So we're ready for that scenario. We have a paper We trail. haven't got it. I have not had one yet, though. Uh, yeah, I mean, okay. I don't think we're the types to get called out on it. Have you had to call any other uh, managing broker? Yes, to, yes, I have. How does that go? Um, well, generally, well, because I'm not 
adversarial. And um, so what happens is, you know, we have a conversation and just say, this is what's happened. We're concerned that we're not actually in multiple offers. Is there anything you can do for us to relieve those, those concerns? Have they ever been caught in a lie? No. Not yet? No. no. There's your answer. <laughs> Well, that's why I, I typically don't even want to pursue it. I go, this doesn't feel right. I feel like this this other offer I'm being told I'm competing with kind of materialized a little too conveniently, a little too coincidentally. This place has been on the market for three months, and you're telling me that I all of a sudden magically there's, there's another, another offer. offer. Well, and that's something you have to have. You have to have that conversation with your buyers and say, well, this is what they're saying has happened. Yeah. And you have to really just be honest with them. We're not sure. How would you like to proceed? Yeah. And then put it back in their corner and let them make that decision. It doesn't inspire a lot of confidence, though. When I, when I have had that conversation with people, when, when push comes to shove, it, like, sorry, I have no way of confirming that. Like, you guys as an organization have no way. Like, there's no, like, and, and no. like, unfortunately, yeah, it's not that. No, and the, and the manager for that agent represents that agent. And not that I think Gail would lie for us in that circumstance, but I think there are other managers out there who maybe would. Yeah. You know, and then you go, well, what was the benefit of making that call? Now I've given my client this assurance that I've made this call, but still just being lied to. Um, and it just, and that can kind of sour things too, if you find out that, like, why is my manager asking for proof of this other offer? Um so that's yeah, not it's really not, delicate. Not a fun, not a fun, fun situation. I mean, it happens like when we're when when we have offers on our properties when it's our listing. I mean, we are calling people to say like, I know you know you just showed it this past week. I do have an offer coming in. So I mean, we we are doing our job for our sellers to see if there is anyone else that potentially could compete. Um, so there's a probability that it happens. It's just quite annoying. It would be nice if the industry would catch up to what we're so. doing within this brokerage. Yeah, I guess that makes sense, right? Just having those checks and balances mm-hmm. to give you some assurance. I mean, the, I think the public deserves more assurances on what's going on. We we have to operate a lot within a position of trust from agent to agent. Mm-hmm. And frankly, there's a lot of agents out there I have a hard time trusting. No, that's true. There are many who I do, and it's so much easier to work with them because mm-hmm. you know. And I, and I say that explicitly to my own clients. They're like, well, what do you think? I'm like, oh, I've had lots of interactions with this person in the past. You know, I, I believe that what they're saying is authentic, mm-hmm. right? You know. So that's kind of how it works out there. Um, so my last sort of thought here, Gail, is to understand what happens on the professional conduct committee. Oh, fun stuff. <laughs> well, what happens is complaints come into the board, and it's usually realtor to realtor because the board no longer takes complaints from the public. Okay, and so for our listeners, the Real Estate Board of Greater Vancouver is essentially the next body that we exist within as mm-hmm. licensed agents. So. They, they oversee us. And we, as licensed realtors, must follow the rules of cooperation. And that's what the real estate board actually is mandated to, to oversee. Okay. Is, and that's what we at the, on the Professional Conduct Committee do is we um, look at complaints. We decide whether or not they are legitimate or we're going to toss them aside. Um, and to determine that, most of the times we investigate. So you guys are actually filtering? We, we, we investigate them. Okay. So a committee is formed of usually three people, um, and the majority of the people on the committees are managing brokers. And, and so as a committee, they'll have a committee chair and then two people that will just be there, <clears throat> excuse me, um, as witnesses to what's been happening. So 
will investigate, will interview all parties, and that includes the public if they're involved, not just the realtors. Mm -hmm. So it's really you go down to the board. Um, you'd be in, if you were called before the professional conduct committee, you and your managing broker would attend, and you'd be in front of the committee, and they would be asking you questions. Um, and then what we do is we take the findings away, and we take them and we put together a report and then submit it to the bigger panel for discussions. Okay. Uh, and then the reprimands, the punishments, fines, uh, what's the maximum fine now from the board? 30000 $30,000, which mm -hmm. don't get all up in arms if you're a listener. The fines from council are much larger. Two fifty. <laughs> Two hundred fifty for a, re a realtor and five hundred thousand for a brokerage. So for violating a rules of cooperation, just essentially, which is a mostly just advertising standards and and other sort of you know, conducting yourself to show properties and right. that kind of stuff. I mean, yeah. that's really what it boils down to, yeah. right? How we you know how we our, conduct ourselves in our day to day business yeah. on MLS showings, you know, cooperating with other agents and getting that stuff happening, right? So thirty thousand dollar fine could be there. Um, can the board uh, issue a suspension? Yes, we can, but okay. it has to be egregious. Mm -hmm. And I know of only two that have happened. Okay. What's the most common type of situation that makes it to the committee floor? Um, realtors not being nice to each other. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, eh? Yeah, not cooperating. Um, we get a lot of lockbox compl lock complaints. Oh, People, yeah. People, realtors sending their buyers through properties with their key card. Yeah, that deserves punishment. That deserves punishment. And it's For sure, and yeah. and then the fines are increasing every time we get a new one. Yeah, I mean that is terrible. Just to send, you know, a, a random citizen through a home without a, a representative. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, I, I, And that's I, something the public needs to be watching. So if you have your home listed, be watching out for issues that may concern that, you know, might, might be around that because your realtor will want to know that if a buyer shows up for a showing, and there's no realtor there. Can there is it a valid complaint if um, because some people so we use these lock boxes they're accessed either through an app or a card, mm -hmm. uh, a little chip card. So that's how we get the keys out if there's no agent there to show it. Um, is it a valid complaint that so someone doesn't? There are lots of agents, different municipalities, cities that don't use don't have the cards, don't like to use them for right. whatever reason, and you have an agent that says, I want to view this property and this person's not giving me the special one day code for people that don't have these cards. Um, is that limiting the showing? Is that an, is that potentially an issue? Um, that would be a discussion you would have to have with your sellers. We as a brokerage are of the opinion that we don't give out one day codes because we can't trust that they're going to be used properly. And in our opinion, if you're going to be showing properties in an area where lockboxes are used, you should be actually obtaining the tools well, needed to well, do your job. Well, I mean, there's, there's a bit of a major hurdle to having a lockbox card, Gail. I mean, the agent has to sign up. Yeah, yeah, and pay their, I think it's $15, 15 a, a month. month. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's, that's really unfair for an agent who's going to be working out of their area. And tools of the business. <laughs> that's what we say, tools of the business. It's really funny that I can't believe some agents make a fuss about that. They go, well, usually I don't use lockbox cards, so I shouldn't well, have to pay the $15. Clearly you are now. <laughs> yeah, you are. And, and, and it's funny because usually when they get upset, it's because it's not the first time they've been told to access a lockbox. Yeah. And it's like, well, see, you've been down this road before. Mm -hmm. Pay your 15 bucks. 
But, yeah, or stay in the <laughs> in the area that don't use log boxes. Right, right. And right. refer it out to the people who do. <laughs> that referral system is wonderful. Hmm. Okay. Okay, so professional conduct committee. Do you have any like of the best story you could say of something you couldn't even believe well, an story agent time, did that? Story time with Gail? Um Do you think you have one? Well, not that's gone to the professional conduct committee. I mean, we just had one a couple of one I think I told you guys that at a meeting um, where there was fraud involved where the seller's signatures were were actually um, fraudulently signed on another contract that they were trying to use to get different financing so that was an interesting one that was an interesting one mm. I that doesn't happen every day in real estate in our world yeah. in our world so that was a bit of a shocker that was a bit of a shocker so that, you know, was reported to the RCMP and, you know, various places. <laughs> Mortgage fraud. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's... So it one. is out there. And that's a good reminder to all of us that we, you know, all this FinTrack that we think is nonsense, there is a reason why they're going down this road. Hmm. Um, those reports aren't... Po- the things happening at the real estate board level... Like I know, don't they? Does council those get published, or is that council or? gets published, and they're public? Public. So yeah. you can go onto the real estate council website, and you can look at all the some fun uh, reading there. There's some fun reading there. The board, however, it's not public. It's on the site, but they're not public, yeah. so and you cannot use them. What do you mean you can't use them? You cannot use them. And take that and publish them. Like, like in of your marketing site. materials, okay. you can't <laughs> yeah, say. Yeah, no, you cannot use them. Oh, no. you're bringing in my competition. You oh, would, you would, a, I'm just going to leave this here for you. Yeah, no, you cannot do that. <laughs> so they're kind of lower level because offenses. That's, because that's a membership. We are members of an association. So anyone reprimanded at that level is just... It stays, it stays in-house. So if you really want to find like the Judge Judy kind of uh, experience, you go to the council. You go to the council website. Yeah, yeah, that's where the good dirt is. Fun reading. Well, that's where <laughs> the really serious issues have, have been dealt with. Yeah, yeah, they say. I mean, it's 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 funny because years ago, before the fines were increased, you know, it sounded like a pretty egregious act. You know, they they lay out what was done, the investigation, how they feel the agent was, you know, out of line, and then they say, and the penalty is a one week suspension and a five thousand dollar fine. And you go, oh my gosh, if that's the punishment for that level of misrepresentation to your client in the industry, you know, was that really a deterrent? Well, feedback came back on that one. Well, they're very they're very concerned about deposits and trust funds. So when there's an issue around a deposit, like if your deposit is a day late and you don't do take the necessary steps um, required by the council, yeah, you could lose your license for that one. Hmm. And people don't understand that. Realtors <laughs> do not understand that. They seem to forget that one. It's when, when deposits received... Realtor has it, and submitted not. submitted to the brokerage by that time. What if the brokerage is closed? Then it would be the next day, okay. next banking day. I'm asking for a friend. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure you are. 
Okay, well, that's that's all sorts of manager stuff from the consumer level to agent to agent and all these other things. So, I mean, it's 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 fun to hear the war stories. It's interesting to know where things land for the public who's listening. I think they know some of the different venues they can go through to find remedies if they think things aren't going well. But first, always start by talking to your agent. If you just feel like things aren't going right, be open with them and just say, this is where I feel like where there's a disconnect somehow a in our relationship. Start right? the discussion there. Yeah, and see if you can find a resolution. Agents, for the most part want to find solutions mm-hmm. we're commission paid mm-hmm. individuals so we'd like to find a way to keep things working out positively so start there and then go to the managing broker yeah and if you don't get the resolution you're looking for there then there's the other avenues that you can excellent go down and then i want for our realtor friends who are listening to to understand a little more about like the all points group mm-hmm. um because i like that we have these additional mechanisms in place like the multiple offer tracker mm-hmm. and things like we are more thorough as a brokerage but the idea is that we are more professional we conduct ourselves to a higher standard and it it produces better results mm-hmm. And I think much happier clients. Mm-hmm. So is there anything more you would say to our realtor listeners about what it would be like to join All Points? Well, I think between the coaching and the oversight of the managing broker. Um, that there's one that's around and you can see them, and talk to them. <laughs> you can definitely get me on the phone. You're not, you're not billing us for, uh, for a conversation. <laughs> Not yet. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) I'd be a millionaire by now. (laughs) You know, I think just looking for if you're if you're serious about this business and if you're um, wanting to make it a profession, you will want to go to a brokerage where the realtors are full time realtors. Um, Whether it's this Remax or another Remax or another brokerage where the majority of the people are full time, because you learn from the best. Absolutely. And and we've talked about this many times on the show before. There's a culture of sharing within this brokerage. Oh, absolutely. And the top producing realtors will always take the time to answer your questions. Yeah, absolutely. So it's just not just the managing broker here. We're all training each other because we none of us know all the answers, but we're in a brokerage where someone will know something about something. Yeah, you know? and, and I've always appreciated that from the start. It's the only mm-hmm. brokerage I've known, but the, the attitude has been, you know, you can expect sharing of information, you know. We're technically all competition, um, but, but you, you don't share. have that here. We don't have that that feeling. Yeah, and, and information, of course, we've qualified this before in the show as well. It has nothing to do with confidential client information, but just, um, you know, how to be the best professional that we can. What would you do in this situation? I don't really know this building that well. Or Oh, absolutely. You know, and it's actually very fun to watch for me um, because the, the, the communication tool that you guys use, we're all watching it. And it's really quite lovely to watch you all communicate that way. And share. Excellent. And you mentioned coaching as well. And we've talked about this on the show. Episode five, we had Keith on. So mm-hmm. Coach Keith. Mm-hmm. So there's opportunities for one-on-one coaching right. to really Absolutely. help grow your business. And then there's... And that's what he's here for, is to, yeah. is to help you grow a business that you can trust. That's actually our motto as, as the owners, is to help our realtors grow businesses. They can trust in any market. Awesome. And we're the New West guys. So we're in New West. So mm-hmm. we're at the New West branch of Remax All Points. Mm-hmm. And then so you've got your brokerage. In Coquitlam and in Port Moody. Okay. All right. So that uh, covers a pretty broad geographic territory mm-hmm. for, and I think a lot of our listeners uh, out there. So if uh, they're curious to learn more about joining Remax All Points, uh, who should they get in touch with, Gail? They should call me. Okay. My name's Gail Cossiper. 
All right. And they can, we'll put um, just the office. Do we, you want the office number in the show notes? That put, Absolutely. That's what we do? Okay. So Absolutely. we'll put that in the show notes. They can get a, get, a, get a hold of Gail. And if anybody wants to reach us, we're the New West Guys, thenewwestguys.com. He's Jeremy Ray. I'm Matt Brabbins. Thanks for listening. Thanks, guys. See you.